0: Let's pray. Again, we just we we come to you, Father, and say, We need you. In every area of our life, we need you. Father, as we open your word, teach us your ways. In your name I pray. Amen. Today's uh, Communion Sunday, Uh, we choose to um, celebrate Communion, the first Sunday of every month. Communion is a time where we uh, remember what Christ did on the cross, how he died, didn't stay dead, rose again to proclaim victory over sin and death. Not only that, we are not just celebrating that, but we also celebrate the fact he's coming again. And it's, it's exciting that he's coming again. And we like to, you know, just try and make the first Sunday of the month just a special uh, Sunday. We like to focus on different things. And, and so this, uh, uh, the series that we're in right now on the first Sunday of the month is called Pray Like This. And uh, our heart is that we'd be a praying church, that we wouldn't just talk about prayer, but we would pray. And what better way to to learn to pray than to learn from Jesus how to pray. And uh, the the Lord's Prayer, it's it's funny, because it starts out talking about what not to do. And uh, Jesus says, you know, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on the street corner or in the synagogues and they pray these loud, flowery prayers that make them sound so spiritual. Like, don't do that. He says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to the God who, in secret, who, for the God who sees in secret will reward you openly. Also, when you pray, don't pray like the pagans who think that if they say the same thing over and over again or pray these long prayers, they, they will find favor with God. Oh, God, bless me, bless me. Like just babbling, just saying things over and over again. Saying, don't do that. Because your Father knows what you need before you even ask. Now, that doesn't mean we don't ask. But we recognize He knows our needs way better than what we do. And then he says, "When you do pray, pray in this way: Our Father, who art in heaven." And Martin preached on this a couple months ago. And if you missed this message, you can go on our website and, and listen to it. You can listen to all the messages on the website; they're generally up the day of. But his main idea was: Our Father who art in heaven. We need to recognize that God, He's our Father. He's our daddy. And he loves us. And now some of you guys uh, may say, well, you know, I just didn't have that type of father. Or I didn't have a good relationship with my father. Well, the whole idea is that he is someone who loves us. That's the idea. Our father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or, Honored be your name, or holy is your name. And holy means set apart. We are to recognize that he is amazing. And he deserves honor. And when we pray, we pray in that way. But then we come to verse 10 of Matthew 6. Verse 10 of Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. See, I, I'm not used to preaching on texts that are so small. Um, Martin was like, "Hey, Brian, um, will you will you preach this week?" I'm like, "Sure." It's on five. What is that? Ten words. (laughs) So I'm gonna try and uh, pull a Martin and preach on a couple words. Um, That's supposed to be a joke because he does that all the time. Our 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 um martin's up helping jeremy move so that's where he is this weekend um your kingdom come that first phrase see the bible starts in the beginning god god is the self-existent one he's been around before anything was around psalms 125 or 102 says in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. It wasn't like he, he had this clay and he was just kind of forming stuff. No, he spoke and things happened. What we have today is the work of God. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones and powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and all things he holds together. This is the beginning. He was here before anything was created he spoke everything into existence. He holds it all together. This is the beginning. He is setting up His kingdom. Now, let's look at the end. Revelation 20, verse 11 says Then I saw a great white throne, and Him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from His presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found in the the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the end. Jesus is on the throne. And the books are opened. And, and before we get to this point in history, th- uh, in the future, because this hasn't happened yet. See, the Bible is great because the Bible is not just a hit- history book. It's a future book. And it's a present book. It's kind of all of the above. So, Jesus is on the throne at this point. Before this, Theologians love to talk about um, uh, when the church or when his people are called to himself. And the great thing about the free church is it doesn't matter um, whether you're pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib or um, or, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath. That doesn't matter. What matters is that at some point, his people are called to himself. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we are placed into the body of Christ. And at some point, he's going to call us to himself. And at this point in the future, his people are with him. And he's sitting on the throne, and now the books are opened. And those who have not put their faith and trust in him, whose names are not found in the book of life, are going to stand in front of him. See, Paul talks about this in Philippians. He says that at the, every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. This is when this is happening. Jesus calls everyone that has ever lived in the history of his creation and he calls them to himself and he judges them, those who don't know him, based on how they lived. And the judgment goes this way. Did you surrender your life to me? No. Here's all the sins that you've committed that you are responsible for and now you are separated from me. He is the king on the throne proclaiming judgment on those who didn't surrender to him. See, in the beginning, he created all. At the end, he's on the throne judging. Now after this, those who put their faith and trust in him get to be with him forever, in eternity. What an amazing thing. See, Jesus set set up his kingdom. It started at creation. We see the end. The thing is, is his kingdom is still here today. The problem is, there's a war being waged. And that is that when God set up, when he created everything, he was creating his kingdom. Well, Satan decided he thought he was as good as God. Well, he was kicked out of heaven. Well, Satan tempts Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve choose to sin sin enters the world and another kingdom is formed and that's the kingdom of darkness so you have the kingdom of light that is battling the kingdom of darkness and that's what we're facing right now there's a war going on the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness and the thing is, is we as believers those who have put their faith and trust in Christ are representing God's kingdom to this world see we know the end That he's going to judge. Your kingdom come. It's us recognizing that he is king, that he is over all. It changes our perspective. See, this prayer Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. It's a centering prayer. It's a focusing prayer. It's helping us recognize that He is in the place of authority. It is about Him. He's the King of the universe. That He is on the throne and we are not. It's putting Him in the prominent place. When we talk about God's kingdom, we are talking about His kingly reign in everything. So this prayer starts out with us acknowledging God is our Father and that He is worthy of honor. In this first part of the verse ten it 's about how God is king, and it helps us remind us to have a kingdom perspective. This life is about him because He is the king. Your kingdom come, your will be done it 's a centering prayer it 's a focusing prayer. It's giving us a kingdom perspective. Your will be done furthers that perspective. God is on the throne. God is king over the kingdom. And our role in the kingdom is to do the will of the king. Our role in this kingdom is to do the will of the king. It's not about our kingdom, it's not about us, it's about him. And we get this perfect model, this unbelievable perfect model. It helps that he's 100 percent God and 100 percent man, but Jesus is this perfect model. Luke 22:42 says, "Father, Jesus is praying, "If you are willing, take this cup for me, yet not my will, but yours be done." We have this, um, this scene in the life of Jesus, where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, He knows what's coming next. He's about to be crucified. He's about to take on the sins of the world. And he says, "Father." Take this cup for me. But I surrender to your will. If it's your will, I will do this. That's a kingdom perspective. That's a great example. And when we look at the life of Jesus, when we read about Jesus, he was always doing the will of the Father. I don't do anything apart from the Father's will. He constantly talked about that. It's about God's kingdom. And it's our responsibility to do the will of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. When that word will is used in the Greek, it carries the idea of obeying the law. See, the will of God is that the people of God obey the law of God. That's what his will is. Now, what are the laws of God? There's a lot of them, but they're summarized very well. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two, com- two commands. These are summarizing commands. When you look at the Ten Commandments, have no other gods before you. It's all about loving God. Thou shalt not murder. It's about loving people. Thou shalt not steal. It's about loving people. So all the laws are are either focused on loving God or loving others. And that's the will of God is that you and I would obey his law and we would love him above all and we would love others. So we ask the question, well, what's the will of God? Okay, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach? Well, what should I do in this situation? What's the Bible say? If the Bible says don't do it, guess what the will of God is? that you don't do it. If the Bible doesn't say don't do it and, it, and when you study Scripture, you see, well, you know, this is permissible, then guess what? It's permissible. Like, we love to, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, but I just, I don't know what the will of God, does the Bible, I don't know what the Bible says. Okay, well, let's study it, let's learn it, so that we can live it. See, again, this is a centering passage. Our Father, who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I need to know the words of God. I need to know the laws of God. I need to know the word of God so that I know what the will of God is. Now, there are times where God asks you to do special things. Like, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Okay, where does that fit within the will of God? Okay. He's going to a people to talk to them about the love of God and and repentance. Oh, wait. That's a part of what God has called all of us to do. See, God's never going to ask you to do anything outside of what the Scripture tells you is okay. See, when you get asked to do something, you're like, I don't know what the will of God is, and you're like, well, I feel like I should be doing this, and you're like, well, but the Scripture tells me not to? That's the sign that says, probably not a good idea. In fact, it's not a good idea. The Bible, God will never tell you anything to do outside of what the Scriptures say. So, the will of God We can know. Because we have the word of God and the spirit of God enlightens us to that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this point, this is pointing us to having a kingdom perspective. It's about us doing our Father's will to honor Him. See, we don't have a kingdom of our own. See, we have a king who is God, who sits on the throne. We are his sons and daughters. So we are princes and princesses of the most high God. We represent the kingdom. So the question is, how are we doing on that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Genesis 1 and 2, God created everything. And it was good. Genesis 3, sin enters the world. It mars the relationship that we have with God. Creation is marred. Okay? God is in heaven. And in his presence, there can be no sin. The reason this is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is because in heaven, his will is perfectly always lived out. It is always perfectly lived out. So the prayer is, help me to live in the way that is as if I was in heaven with you. Now, are we going to do that all the time? No, we're going to struggle with that. But that's why we have Jesus who helps us, that's why we have the Spirit who convicts us. We we're praying and asking God to work in us and use us in a way to, that represents what will happen when we're in heaven because God's law and his ways are perfectly followed and lived out in heaven all three of these are about all three of these uh, sections are about bringing glory and honor to God they're about focusing on his gospel going out and his ways being lived out it's about giving us a kingdom perspective that this life isn't about us it's not about our kingdom It's not about what we want, it's about Him. The problem is we live in a culture, we live in a society that says it's about you. It's about your kingdom. It's about building up your followers. It's about building up you and what you want. And that's such a lie from the pit of hell. This life is not about us. It's about Him, and this passage is a prayer of centering, focused on Him, giving us a kingdom perspective that it's not about our kingdoms, but it's about His kingdom. The question is, how do we know if we have that kingdom perspective that's talked about here? How do we know when we, we have that right view of things? It starts out with this. What do your prayers sound like? In fact, are you even praying? A lot of Christians struggle with prayer. It's just kind of this weird thing where I'm talking to God, but yet I can't see God, but He's yet with me, and I... I, I, And so a lot of Christians struggle with this this prayer thing. But this passage is all about prayer. What do our prayers sound like? What are we praying about? What are the focuses of our prayers? Are we even praying? How do we pray? I, just, I find it interesting that this passage starts out talking about these, these hypocrites that stand on the street corners or in the, in the churches or the synagogues and they, they pray these flowery prayers to sound really good and Jesus is like, don't do that. doesn't mean you can't pray in public. It's the way you're praying. It's the heart behind the prayer. See, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about us having a conversation with someone that loves us this father, this daddy in heaven. It's about us being real with him. It's that we need to honor him, but it's about us just talking with him. I don't know about how you talk to your parents. Or your, your dad. But I don't use weird language. How you doing, dad? You doing good? That's the relationship that, that God's talking about here is, is this father-son or this father-daughter. And again, if, if that, that imagery doesn't work, someone who loves you that just wants to know how you're doing. And David, to me, is this perfect example of it because David would go and say, God, where are you? My enemies are surrounding me. I, I can't see you. I don't know where you're at. Where are you? But I trust you. Your will be done. And that's what this is talking about. See, this, this kingdom perspective shapes the way that we pray. and We start to talk to God. In a different way. He becomes our daddy. See, we get to enter the throne room, and yes, we're before the king, but he doesn't sit on the throne with his scepter in hand. What he says is, hey, son, hey, daughter, see that couch over there? Let's go sit down together. Let's talk. How's your day? It's about us spending time talking with our daddy, changing the perspective, recognizing that this life is all about him. The first way that we know we have that kingdom perspective is by our prayers. I'm reading a book right now. Um, A friend of mine gave it to me. And it's really good for people like me. Um, it's got really short chapters. Um, and I'm just digesting it slowly. And what he does is, uh, it's called A Praying Life by a guy named Paul E. Miller. And what he does is he just, he gives some simple suggestions. And, and the assumption here is that we're, we're going to start our day off. It's just spending some time in prayer with God. And he gives just these great suggestions. And, and the first is, you know, go to bed. If we're going to try and spend time with God in prayer in the morning, we need to make the decision that night to go to bed so that we can get up and make the time to pray. The second is get up. Get out of bed. Uh, I used to go to, I went to a Bible school, and we'd have, uh, you know, prayer focuses, prayer emphasis days. And so, like, the mornings would be about praying, and we'd be about laying in our bed praying, and we'd be sleeping. So praying in bed's not a bad thing, but when we're saying, hey, I'm going to focus, I'm going I'm to take time, I'm going to pray, just get up, get awake, take a shower, get some coffee, find a quiet place. And for people who have small kids or uh, rambunctious kids, um, it means getting up, I can say that, um, it means getting up before they do. Because it's hard to find a quiet place when the kids are awake. Get comfortable. That doesn't mean, like a lot of t- we get this picture, you need to pray. Fold your hands, get on your knees, bow your head. Like, I don't know, I don't know the history of that, but we don't have to do that. Get comfortable. Find a place to sit. If you want to kneel, that's fine. It's a posture you want to fold your hands, fine. If you want to close your eyes, fine. If you want to pray with your eyes open, that's fine. Again, it's about you having a conversation with your Father that loves you. Get going. Just decide, hey, I'm going to do this. And set aside five minutes. Like, who can't give up five minutes of their day to pray? Where it's focused time. You know, when some hey, I pray on my way to work, that's great, but let's take some focus time, because praying while multitasking is probably sometimes not helpful. So focus time. And again, start with five minutes and then just keep going consistently. Because you'll find that you say, I'm going to give God five minutes every morning. And you start praying consistently. You'll see that five minutes just isn't enough. He concludes this section with, regardless of how or when you pray, if you give God the space... He will touch your soul. God knows you are exhausted, but at the same time, He longs to be part of your life. A feast is waiting. A feast is waiting because our Father who loves us wants time with us. And He wants us to sit on the couch next to Him and talk about life. This passage is a centering passage. This passage helps us have a kingdom perspective. First way is looking at our prayer life. That helps us understand if we have that kingdom perspective. The second is how are we living? Because we are representing the most high God. We're representing our dad in a lost and dying world. And he calls us to do his will, which is to love him and to love others. How are we doing? Are we loving him above ourselves? Is it about his kingdom or about our kingdom? Because it can't be about both. You either love God and focus on his kingdom Or you love yourself and you put yourself on the throne. Again, this is a centering passage. Who's on the throne in your life? And you know that by the way that you choose to live, how you choose to spend your time. This is a centering passage. Who's the king in the kingdom? He is. It's about him. And I need to love him and love others. And it will change the way I live. When I pray in that way, it'll change the way I live. It should change the way I live. when I'm loving Him and loving others, I will live like I'm house-sitting, that this place isn't my home. I've got a couple bags packed, and I'm here for a short while, and it's about me sharing Jesus with everyone I know so I can bring them into my Father's kingdom with me. When we have the kingdom perspective, we will love Him, we will love others, and we will tell everyone about Him because it's about bringing others into the kingdom not using others to form our own kingdom. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father, our Daddy, Daddy, You're in heaven. And You are so worthy of honor. This is all about you. It's all about your kingdom. It's all about living for you. And I want to do that in a way that's pleasing to you. That's what he's talking about. Prayer is us talking to someone we love. Do we have the kingdom perspective? See, going through a sermon like this and talking through a sermon like this, it would be, um, I think, wrong to not take some time and spend some time in prayer. And I love the Lord's Prayer and, and there's times in my life where I use it as a model of prayer. Again, these are tools, not rules. So what I want us to do is we're going to spend some time praying on our own. But it's going to be some focused time. So what I want you to do is close your eyes our Father who art in heaven. I want us to pray prayers that just are acknowledging God as our Father and the love that He has for us. So take time and pray now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray prayers, just recognizing the honor that is due our Father as King. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what's going on in your life. You know the areas that you need to surrender to Him, where you need to choose to do His will. Pray prayers of of confession or prayers of acknowledging your need for Him to work in, in this area of your life. Father, you you are king. You are amazing. You're so loving, so gracious, so just, so merciful. You're with us. Dad, just help me. I know I can be judgmental. I know I can be selfish. I know I can try and build my own kingdom. Do the things I want to do and I don't make space for you and I just I want your will to be done in my life. I want to represent your kingdom well. Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you that you love me and you're with me. Dad, thank you that you care. Amen. I have a friend who would pray all the time and he would always start his prayer out, Dad, Dad. And I always thought it was the weirdest thing. But that's what this prayer is. Our Father, Daddy, our Abba Father. And as a parent, that just kills me because I have my son that will run up to me. Daddy! And he wants to tell me about everything. And that's what God's looking at for us. Son, daughter, come, sit in my lap, tell me about your day.